You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Welcome to the exciting world of the movies. All right, and we are back in the movie graveyard, digging up another great cinematic corpse that a lot of us are going to remember from our childhoods, from the video store days, from watching on HBO, whatever. We are rolling today, talking about the 1987 film. I want to say classic, but I guess it probably isn't a classic or thought of as a classic. Uh, we're talking about Mannequin today. The goat with Lady Bird. Lady Bird, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Ready for this romantic adventure. Romantic adventure <laughs> through time, yeah. You might have to speak up a little bit because it's noisy today. So, yep. so get ready to lose your voice. <laughs> right. So yeah, we're rolling along on a noisy Sunday getting ready to watch this movie. We'll go ahead and roll right into it. I'm going to go ahead with the sync instructions in case you have the DVD or the Blu-ray or the whatever at home. Maybe you have the VHS tape at home and you want to play along. Uh, I'm rolling off the Blu-ray, and there's about 20 seconds at the beginning that have been added to the Blu-ray that probably aren't on the DVD or is slightly different than the DVD. So on the Blu-ray, there's like an Olive Films logo, which is the company that released this on Blu-ray. Thankfully, thank you, Olive Films, wherever you are. And then there's like a brand new MGM like CGI Lion logo that obviously was not on the original release of this movie. So that takes up about the first 21 seconds. And then you can tell like the first vintage piece of video you get on this Blu-ray. It's going to be the gray background and then it's going to have a blue logo. Hopefully you guys, if you're rolling on the DVD, will have the same thing. And then eventually it's going to come up and say Gladden Entertainment. That's where I'm paused at, at the 21 second mark on the Blu-ray. So I'm going to say one, two, three, go. And when I say go, uh, hit play on your remotes there. All right, everybody remote in hand. One, two, three, go. All right, we are rolling along. Again, as always, when we watch these older movies, I miss these opening titles, even if they're like from you know lesser-known companies. Like I don't remember this company at all, but I like that kind of opening, uh, you know, cartoon logo look. Yeah, I always feel something that is nostalgic when I see it, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah I remember that. My favorite is Orion. <laughs> yeah, Ryan was the best. Here we have a title card. The movie started on Edfu, Egypt, a really long time ago, right before lunch. So we're in a mummy sarcophagus. It's very clean. They kept these pyramids very clean, apparently. And then we see the mummies, and then obviously we see a woman, the camera pans back, pretending to be a mummy, trying to hide. And her mom comes in here. And here's where we're introduced to kind of our female lead of the movie. Uh, later identified as Emmy. I'm not sure if her mom calls her Emmy here or not. The Blue doesn't have subtitles, but I have an earpiece I can listen in every now and then if we need to check in on what they're saying. But basically her mom comes in and hounds them because she's supposed to marry somebody on this day. And it's kind of like... Um, what would you say? It's kind of like the days when women have no say in anything. Yeah, it was an arranged marriage. Yeah, to a uh, camel dung farmer. Yep. Or trader, I should say. Yeah, dealer. <laughs> so, yeah. So, obviously, this is kind of like a phony styrofoam, uh, you know, pyramid. I, I wouldn't doubt if this was, like, leftover from another movie or something. Maybe that's why they placed this opening time 
you know, period as being Egypt. But I don't know, I like it. It's got a fun look. It's it's a cool way. It's a real set. <laughs> it's a real set. There's torches. The lighting is good. The blue lighting coming down the staircase. It's pretty cool. Oh, there's an earthquake. Yep, there's an earthquake. Something magical has happened. She just made her wish. Yeah, she made her wish that, you know, she could be a, a far away from there. And she disappeared into a cloud of smoke and all the shaking and stuff. <clears throat> I think she does call her Emmy. Yeah. So so that's your opening uh scene and now we go into what was, was awesome a, cartoon. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was always great. Glad Entertainment presents. They have like a Saturday morning cartoon type feel thing here going on. <laughs> and this happened a lot and you know you're you're in for a good movie when you had a like a comedy movie that um you know opened up with a cartoon credit sequence but it actually kind of explains like what like what happened to her when she disappeared yeah cuz they show i mean this part is kind of just silly but although they do, although they do depict her now her character as being a cat yeah. and everybody is an animal for no apparent reason yeah but now we see here she's met up with the vikings yeah like the first time you see this m- movie, though, you wa- you can watch this cartoon. Even if you do pay attention, it doesn't make much sense to you because you don't know. And she just went by some friars, and now she's seeing an artiste, and now she's around where the Mona Lisa was made. Now Columbus, Christopher Columbus. Yep. So it's showing that she's like, sh- she disappeared and kind of time traveled. Yeah, she's pretty much a time traveler. And I had, I didn't catch that the first time that we saw this a little while ago, and I didn't catch this cartoon that it was showing all this stuff before. Right, and that's what I was saying, is like, you kind of don't know this. There's no way you could possibly know the very first time you watch the movie that all this is actually, you know, canon, so to speak, in terms of the storyline, like all this stuff happened, you know? And now it looks like she went to space or something. Yeah, the future. Yeah. <laughs> But we kind of we kind of get the feeling that she always comes back as some sort of sculpture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, huh? Yeah. Part of the painting when she was Mona Lisa. Yeah, here we get some great shots of Philadelphia, which is where the the uh, movie took place. For years, I always thought this was a New York movie because you know a lot of the old city parts look like New York, but it's it's actually Philadelphia. Now here's the hunky star of the movie and his soap opera soft lighting. <laughs> yeah, and we, we, now we come in. Andrew McCarthy got the glamour shot lighting going on, looking more beautiful. They lit him more beautiful than they did Kim Cattrall. Um, and here, here, here we have yeah the opening montage. He works as a a mannequin sculptor for a mannequin company. It's not really a montage. It's just they're playing the whole song. <laughs> yeah. And they're just showing all the workers dancing to it and stuff. Yeah, the song My Girl's playing, you know, because this is his girl, this dummy that he's making. <laughs> we get to see him, you know, she's kind of just like an armless, legless torso at first, and then he literally constructs her. But even one of the co worker guys was dancing in the background, you know. So apparently, uh, you would see this a lot in uh, old comedy movies. Uh, here, here's the, here's the co worker. <laughs> He's jamming. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of men in a warehouse or a mechanic's garage or something. Always in the old movies, always they all were all big softies and always dancing around to romantic songs and whatnot. 
nudity. Yeah, they show the mannequin naked, and the mannequin is 100% anatomically correct with breasts, and very erect, uh, supple nipples and whatnot. I was actually surprised, you know, because this is a PG movie. But as we talk about, sometimes with these uh, PG movies, you could get away with a lot more back then. Yeah. And I like how the boss comes up and says he could win the Dummy of the Week award, and he's all happy. <laughs> but he says, I'm not talking about the mannequin. So. It's just funny that you made that observation about how naked she was. And yeah. I don't know, to me, I was like, oh yeah. Like, I didn't even like, it didn't even phase me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think of it. <laughs> well, just the framing of the shots, they could have, you know, if they wanted to, they could have shot it in a certain way not to show her hard nipples and all yeah. that. So he gets fired from being a mannequin sculptor. Now he's a balloon guy. Yeah. And the mannequin had way much more makeup on in that scene than she ever does later on. But, <laughs> but yeah, now he's a balloon. Like, like this is kind of like the montage of all his jobs that he gets fired from. That's kind of his, his shtick. He gets fired from jobs. So, What do they call those guys? Just balloon makers, I guess. I can't remember. Yeah. Balloon artist, really. Like, he's <laughs> twisting all the balloons in the poodles and shit. And it's at, a, like, a park. It's kid's party. Giant uh, balloon. The little boy wants to grab the giant balloon. You know, he, he wants the one with the company's name on it. Yeah. So, I mean, this isn't one that you're supposed to give out to the kids. And, of course, the little boy gets it. And, <laughs> and great hijinks ensue. He lifts up <laughs> off the air. I love how Andrew McCarthy grabs him to save him, and the dad runs over and says, You freak, let my son go. And, like, the kid just, like, goes up in the air. He's like, okay. Yeah, Andrew McCarthy gets fired. But, I mean, we got to assume that this kid died from this. Because, I mean, he would have had to let go at some point, and then he just would have dropped to the earth. Now, this is the first shot where we see Andrew McCarthy's feet. Yeah. And he wears bowling shoes. Yeah. The whole fucking movie, he wears bowling shoes. I noticed that, too. <laughs> yeah, one's half red, one's half blue, and they got the... You can even... In that shot, you can see they had whatever his size was in the back. <laughs> so, in that job, he was a sculptor of the... Bushes. Yeah. But he wasn't supposed to sculpt them. He was just supposed to trim them. Yeah. And he made it a giant rabbit. Which is funny, because, <laughs> like, he probably... If he would have went to the right place, he probably could have made a lot of money doing that, because... And now, he's sculpting pizzas. <laughs> This was the only one that was a little weak as far as... Because his character... <laughs> supposed to be that he's an artist, he's a sculptor, but literally there he was just arranging like all the peppers and shit on there. I can't remember what they call those ones that uh, design those bushes like that. <laughs> Aren't they like arborists or something like that? Oh my gosh, I cannot think of any words. <laughs> yeah. There's a word that they use for those. So here we, here we kind of get introduced... To his for the first time, his girlfriend Roxy. She works at Illustra, I think it's called, which is a very like very eighties chic modern yuppie <laughs> department store. And he picks her up on his Harley Davidson, which is like a it's actually a nice Harley Davidson too. Yeah, it's it painted is. nice. It's like a classic one. I don't know exactly how old it is, but it's one of the you know older models, and it's it's nice. I mean, we'll see in a second here. It breaks down a lot, but it, it looks nice and. <clears throat> You know, I always thought that was, like, a cool thing to, like, pick a girl up on a motorcycle. But all these yuppies, they look down on him, you know, because he doesn't have, like, a limousine or whatever. Or a car. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, like, I have to, like, you know, wonder how long he was supposed to have been with this girl, Roxy. Because, like, right off the bat, you can tell that she, um, you know, doesn't, um, you know, she's not his kind. He's, he's like a bohemian type. He's low on money. 
Like, she really wants to go out to dinner. He wants to take her for a hot dog. They end up getting frozen yogurt instead. Yeah, they totally don't make a good couple. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could if, she, if her attitude was different, but she doesn't really like his broke act. Like, she even takes a cab home because she doesn't want to, you know, whatever, bum around with him anymore. Well, she wants a guy that has money and a steady job. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, like, all the guys she works with, like, like she's, like, he looks really young in this movie. Like, like this is a, he's only a couple years removed at this point from playing high school students so he still looks young he could pass for a college student even she looks a little bit older like late 20s but everybody she works with is like a 52 year old fucking the yuppie dad so i mean like everybody she works with is so old so like i get he doesn't have money the way like all the guys she hangs out with at work but then again it's like you know it's like i I still think she would want to date like a younger guy or whatever She's surrounded by nasty perverts, too. Yeah. We'll get to that when it comes up. But yeah, here we have, like, a great classic scene of his bike won't work, so he has to push it through the streets of Philadelphia. The, of course, the you know, just, like, great movie timing, your car, your motorcycle, whatever, always breaks down right when a rainstorm starts. And, uh, yeah, he's pushing it through. He's drenched, you know. And these rain machines... Even you were remarking how hard this ring was. <laughs> no, and well, I was impressed with the way he he walked like a pretty far distance, and the whole right. time it was just raining. I was just curious how they had the rain going that entire way that he was walking. Yeah, because <laughs> he was moving. It was like, how did they make it last for so long? Because I know at Universal Studios, like the actual studio part, like they. They put, like, a roof kind of over the studio in it for some movies, and they have, like, actual rain machines that go in entire blocks. But this was actually oh, shot... Oh, really? Yeah, but, but I mean, that's at a studio. This yeah. was actually shot for real in Philadelphia. So, I mean, whatever they had on the top of the buildings to shoot the rain down, like, yeah. That's impressive for, like, back then. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't imagine they'd have something like that. Okay, so I looked it up. The balloon person maker is called a balloon artist right and the one that makes well i don't it's not their name but the ones that are the make the sculptures those are called topiaries all right that's what it is i was trying to think of that word yeah so he was pushing it along there and he saw his mannequin that he made he recognized her in the window and he like, had to leave her when he got fired. Yeah, and then, like, as he was looking at her and, and talking about how beautiful she was, like, the lightning hit, and all of a sudden his motorcycle worked again. He was all happy. So this is the next morning now. He's coming to the store waiting for it to open. They're raising a 100th anniversary sign. He wants to try to get a job here because he wants to work with his mannequin. <laughs> yeah. He can't... Like, the mannequin in this movie is very important to the story. The, the mannequin is, like, the girl who got away. He's well, a, that's what it's called, mannequin. Yeah. <laughs> he created her with so much love. Here we get introduced to Estelle Getty, who's the lady who owns the department store. But it's not even, like, a perverted love that he has for no. her. Like, he's genuinely, like, as a piece of art, kind of, like, he's in love with it in that way. Yeah. So here, what happens is the giant sign that they're raising that says 100th anniversary comes down. He has to push Estelle Getty out of the way. Somehow, <laughs> instead of just pushing her out of the way, he grabs onto the sign and starts riding it up and down. I mean, this thing is going oh, to go. There you go, zapped to the yeah, butt. <laughs> 30 feet in the air, he's swinging back and forth. Somehow, there are live cables hanging. There's, there's actually twice. That part in the very end of the scene, he gets like, like a shock right on his ass, which makes him scream all high pitched. <laughs> 
And, like, some shots you can kind of tell are a stunt guy, but, like, these ones, like, it's going up pretty big. Oh, yeah. I didn't know it got him twice. Yeah, get, yeah, so I say it gets him at the end, too. He gets shocked in the ass. That's funny. <laughs> and, like, here he's walking, he had his hands behind his back. I wonder if he was actually just grabbing his ass because it just electrocuted. <laughs> and I was, and I was looking up, like, they looked everywhere to see, find the right department store that would like look magical and big and grand and they went here and it, it was in philadelphia it was actually the first department store in all of philadelphia so it's pretty famous here you go yeah this is like uh i forget what they call it but this area is like the grand court or something like that i can't believe a place like that exists it's like it yeah. looks like a big giant you'd see in like italy or france or something yeah it's so huge i mean i can't even describe really comparison how big it is but even the way it's made like it looks so fancy yeah it looks like it's at least four or five stories high inside you know and you can see all the different levels now here we're introducing mr richard so i guess it's kind of like the gm of the store also played by um, uh, James Spader, who was playing lots of sleazy roles back then. And, I mean, he's pretty sleazy in this movie in terms of, like, the way he lies and tries to screw people over. But he's also, like, a really... Such what, a character. Yeah, he's like a nerd. He has greased-down hair. And he's just very nerdy. And he's always smoking these little thin, skinny cigarettes. And uh, I just think it's funny because, like, here Estelle Getty, you know... It says, hey, we got to give this guy a job. He needs a job. <laughs> and, um, you know, because he saved my life. And uh, Spader tries to offer him $5. <laughs> and uh, it turns out he actually, you know, has a job. So, you know, he wants to work with mannequins or whatever. But the thing that's, like, so interesting, it didn't even dawn on me until we were, we were watching this other night. Look at Spader <laughs> dragging off that little His cigarette. Face. He yeah. makes some funny faces. Yeah, like, he's really over-the-top comedy, and it's just... It's great to see. But it's amazing that literally, because he's so transformed in this movie, I kind of almost don't even recognize him. But this was like only, this movie came out like only a year after Pretty in Pink, where they played like best friends, like, you know. That's funny. And, you know, Spader was the uh, sleazy uh, rich guy in that. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting that they're kind of adversaries, you know. And I'm sure that probably, you know, because I was like, man, like, a, a year before these guys are playing high school students. <laughs> now here they are. <laughs> One's his manager of a store. Yeah, a huge department store. The other one's like a post-college guy yeah. looking for a job. <laughs> now here we see his girlfriend, Roxy, at the store. She works at Illustra. And this is great. This is obviously way before the uh, Me Too movement because her co-worker, Armand, Practically it, raping her. Yeah, he's humping, like air humping on her. He's telling her, you know, he can't believe that little twit boyfriend gets to have sex with her. Trying and, to eat her out. Yeah, getting down on these. I mean, and to her credit, she's like slapping the piss out of him. I know she does. It's funny the way she like reaches her hand out to like punch him and slap him. Yeah, I mean, she's really like doesn't mind beating the shit out of him. And he never goes away. No, yeah, he's always still sexually... I mean, th there's, like... It, it's not, like, innuendos. It's yeah. not casual hitting on somebody. Like, he is just sexually harassing the fuck out of her. <laughs> and, uh, like I said, I mean, it's obviously it's played for comedy. And, you know, to her credit, she stands up for herself. But, yeah, people would, like, be running out of the multiplex crying in tears if they witness that now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the world is, you know, can handle that. Yeah. 
And, and then on top of that, we cut to McCarthy. He's actually snooping around the store. He's supposed to be working in the stock room as a stock boy. He's trying to find the mannequin. Yeah, he's trying to find the mannequin. So, like, he's going to the women's dressing rooms thinking that's going to, you know, this being like a... Like a department store, like not, like it's as far as I can tell, it's not connected to a mall. It's just the old school department store with the big display windows that face the big main street and all yeah. that. So he's trying to find these back way, but he keeps going into uh, uh, you know fitting rooms and seeing women's tits and stuff. Well, no, the first one he went in, it looked like a fitting room door, and it went into the front window. Right, which I mean, I think that obviously was cheated. See, like those yeah. look like it. I don't know why. It's weird. Yeah, I think I think it's just what they used. Them, like for the movie <laughs> right right yeah i mean it's totally they cheated the location yeah it's weird how much it looks like a fitting room but when he's like accidentally opening the door and seeing all the women naked like spader's right on top of him and like spader really wants to fire him because he gets the feeling that he's like a weirdo or whatever here's my favorite yeah so now he's finally <laughs> found the dummy and he, you know, gets creeped up on by Hollywood, who, like, even though this whole thing is a hijinks movie, Hollywood is really the the breakout star of this film. I remember when this movie came out, how much people love Hollywood. He's a very uh, flamboyant homosexual gentleman, very um, artistic in his dress, uh, played by the great, uh, fortunately, the late, great uh, Meshach Taylor. And I just remember everybody at the time was shocked to find out that Meshach Taylor was actually not a gay guy. Cause, wow, really? Yeah. Huh. That's so, interesting. Yeah, and it, it's kind of like weird because it's like one of those things because he's so over the top uh, flamboyant. Yeah. Yeah, like people, this is like one of those movies people on the surface will say like, oh, that movie was this or that or it was... You know, it was uh, stereotyping or it was whatever. Yeah. But the thing is, is, like, every, like, he, yeah, it was a straight guy playing a gay character, but it was a gay character everybody loved yeah. at a time when there was hardly no gay characters in any movie at all. Yeah. So, I mean, in my mind, like, that's a positive, like, it's a positive portrayal, you know? Because yeah. he, because him and uh, Andrew McCarthy's characters, like, they turn out to be, like, really good friends in this movie and stuff, but. Well, and they're in no way, like, trying to make fun of, of no. you know, somebody who's like that, you know? The guy has real relationship issues, and yeah, he talks to Andrew McCarthy's character about it, and, you know, he expresses real sensitivity about, you know, self-esteem and stuff, so. Yeah. He's like, a real guy. It's not just, like, a parody of somebody. Yeah. And here, here we meet the, um... The uh, security guard, who's kind of like the bad guy, and he, and he actually, he he thinks Andrew McCarthy is gay just because he works with a gay guy. And here, and I know, I was surprised how like offensive the things this guy was saying were. Yeah, like, he, doesn't, he doesn't. He uh, doesn't. He doesn't. Um, he doesn't use like a typical homophobic slur. No. But he calls Hollywood a, a little Mary. Yeah. Which I've never heard that like at all before. Maybe it's they like just like an old school term. Either it's old school or they just kind of softened it up for this. But I mean, it's it's like the one, and and even then, that's the really the only scene I think where they really outright say something, you know, yeah. anti-gay or whatever. I think he kind of says something later on, but it's not as like yeah. rash. And it's and it's like, uh, but I mean, they're clearly making the and bad guy. And then McCarthy even says, you know, hey, you know, it's better than you know working with a bigot. Yeah. So yeah, here we start to find out Hollywood's problem is his boyfriend Albert, I believe his name told Hollywood that his his ass was too fat. He has Cellulite City. Hollywood's like, here, yeah, he's grabbing his ass, <laughs> asking Andrew McCarthy to look at it. You know, so 
You could tell Andrew McCarthy's naturally reacting to it. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe this scene in particular. I think maybe a lot of the stuff Hollywood says is improvised because it's like, like everybody in the scene with them cracks up most of the time. Yeah, you could tell he's he was just watching him do his thing, you know, like and just enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of times we watch these movies and they're, you know, personal favorites of mine or whatever. And you know, have to be sad that like oh. These movies weren't popular, but this movie was very popular. Uh, I think they made it for about eight million and made about forty-three million at the box office. And they made a sequel a couple years later, and the only person who returned was Hollywood. Wow, really? So yeah, that kind of shows how popular the character was. <laughs> See, on this part, he's like kind of expressing sadness, and but not in like it's not funny. Like, you actually feel sad for him. <laughs> yeah, because he's actually like legit upset. And, you know, McCarthy kind of reassures him, you know, hey, take the night off, I'll finish. And it's very, you know, what you expect to see in a department store window here. Oh, here there she is. Is this plain back, yeah. kind of back to school fall theme. Yeah, this is the first time the dummy comes alive in front of him. <laughs> and I have to say, like, I really, I think the thing that, you know, makes this movie is the performances. And uh, I think Andrew McCarthy does a good job of reacting to this mm-hmm. and being He's like, "What the heck?" <laughs> being weirded out about, but also like being comedic about it. One well, kind of like there's got to be some sort of feeling too of like he's happy because it's right. like his dream come true came to life. <laughs> yeah, because he was in love with this man, so he's yeah. he's expressing happiness too. I think the one thing I liked about this, which is kind of connected to how I was saying earlier, like how you pointed out she was so naked as the doll or whatever, and I didn't even notice. I think the reason why it doesn't occur to me is because he never looks at her like sexually like gross, you know, like even when she was he was the she was the mannequin. He never see like now is the first time he's like, what the heck? And he's looking her up and down. But when even when she was still the doll, like he was always looking her face, looking in her Ugh, looking at her in her face. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I think that's why it just never occurred to me that, like... Yeah, because when he was making her, it totally wasn't, like, the weird science thing of, like, yeah. look at them giant boobs. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it just was all about the face that he sculpted, yeah. you know? Like, he really thought she was a work of art. <laughs> yeah. And this is, um... <laughs> He's in shock. Yeah. And here, here we kind of cut to... Uh, oh, because was, he was supposed to meet the girlfriend for yeah. dinner. Yeah, the way I understood it was he originally wasn't supposed to even work all night. Yeah. He was supposed to leave. Yeah, but, but he told the... Hollywood to go home and go look for Albert. Yeah. I was going to uh, mention earlier, too, that scene between him and the security guard... I was kind of surprised on the comment that he made, like, when the security guard was being all nasty and, like, offensive, when he said, well, it's better than working with a bigot. Like, when I first heard that, I was kind of like, wow, I was like, that was so, like, aware. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, I just wouldn't imagine somebody to say something like that then. Like, it's funny. I mean, I think it's, you know, they do a good job of... Like in a very short amount of time, setting up who the good guys and bad guys are. Because yeah. for I mean, this is you know a very silly movie. I think more in retrospect, the idea seems crazy to people now that you would make a movie about this. Mm-hmm. By the time in the eighties, like there were so many fantasy based movies that yeah. like nobody thought twice. But um, it's it's kind of loosely based on the I guess I guess it's a Greek ancient myth of I guess Pygmalion about uh-huh. the sculptor who falls in love with his statue. Yeah. 
Now, yeah, here she just drops her clothes in front of him. And because this is PG, you know, we don't see the real woman naked, but, um, and he, he's, you know, he's kind of like... Well, because he was seeing her naked when she was the mannequin, so yeah. to her, it's like nothing. <laughs> and she even says, like, you weren't shy when you were making me. So, I mean, she actually does have appreciation for the fact that he made this body for her, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he fell asleep at the store. Yeah, he fell asleep. He wakes up. And the girlfriend was still waiting for him. Yeah. I like yeah. this scene because he wakes up in the window with the homeless man outside. <laughs> And he sees this, like, this eye-popping, you know, uh, merchandise display that they made. Um, it's the first one. Yeah. That they, like, fancy one that they made with her in it. Yeah, so that's kind of, like, the gist of the movie is, like, they start making these great... Well, really, she does. She makes these great window displays, works of art. Like, that one had a lot of bodies with tennis rackets on heads on them, and the tennis racket moves around. At that time, I guess it was considered, you know, impressive. Yeah, really artistic. Because no one really had moving, you know, displays and stuff. And really that bold, I guess, was really what it was. But here he tries to catch up with his girlfriend, Roxy, and she's getting a ride to work from our man, the guy who sexually harasses her. And our man's totally being a dick to Andrew McCarthy as well. And, like, like I, I always wish... I mean, like, obviously he's freaking out because he's explaining what happened, that he hallucinated that a mannequin came to life and all this <laughs> shit, and she don't care. But I wish there could have been a moment where, like, Andrew McCarthy would have punched our man in the face there. Because, like, he's, like, so obviously, like, trying to steal his girlfriend, you know? Well, she was going to start walking to work, and then the second McCarthy showed up... She jumped in the car to piss him off. Yeah. You know? Now, let's talk about where he lives for a second. What did, what did you say when you saw this the other night? How could he afford to live in a place like that when he has, like, no jobs? Like, he keeps getting fired. I kind of got the impression because the way he's dressed, like, even when he showed up at the store the first time, like, that, I mean, the leather jacket's kind of, like, battered and stuff, but he kind of has nice clothes still. Like, I just kind of got the feeling that he, like, <laughs> came into money or, or was, like, born into money His or family, something. yeah. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, it's a pretty fancy place to be living it's, for it's somebody a, who has no job. Yeah, it's, like, a huge ancient loft apartment. There's even stairs going upstairs, so I'm guessing there's, like, an attic or something. But, yeah, it's really big. It wasn't a junky apartment. No, yeah, it was pretty nice. So they think that he made the window. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess he did. You know, and I never put, like, two and two together. Like, when they go to the shop and she's trying out all the power tools and she's excited. I never, like... It didn't click really till last time I watched this that like she was all excited because she wanted to build things with her hands yeah. and you know because like there's the gag where she almost shoots his fucking face with, I know. That, with a nail gun. I know. So now here's this like super tacky '80s store. <laughs> yeah, the competitor store. There's that's what I love about '80s movies. Like it doesn't matter what your movie was about. There was always, like, a bad guy in it. Like, I miss that so much, even in comedy. So, like... When he was always super sleazy. Yeah. So, this... So, you know, like, if you're making a movie about a hamburger restaurant, you gotta have an evil <laughs> hamburger restaurant to compete against you. Or in this case, it's the same thing. There's an evil department store where his, his I guess, kind of ex-girlfriend now, Roxy, because she kind of just blows him off from this point. And everybody is getting the word back how excited. Because, like, literally crowds are gathering on the street to look at his window that he made. <laughs> yeah. 
And like, you know, because the, the point was this, this store was so old and traditional, I guess. This is a really nice store. Like, I'd much rather go to that store than that shitty mall one that all the yuppies are at. But like, you know, the, st- the story kind of posits that, uh, you know, nobody is shopping there currently or they're having bad business trouble. So like the window is getting people excited about the store again. And, you know, this, this is where we find out, though, that James Spader is actually a mole working for the the sleazy yeah. department store. He's trying to get in with the other store. Yeah, he's reporting back, and, you know, he's telling the guy, you know, he's going to, you know, he's going to have the guy fired who made the window, and they won't whatever and all this. So, yeah, so, and the the bad guy who runs the other department store, his name is BJ Worth, or BJ Worth, I should say. And usually in the, uh, in these kind of, like, the movies that you're saying, there's always a bad guy, and... Usually the the bad guy owns or runs the business that's kind of like a newer, modern Corporate. version. Yeah. And then the older one is like, oh, so old school. Family like, owned. Yeah, like, has no business existing anymore. <laughs> yeah. So now they're all at the executive, like, they're actually having a boardroom meeting about this whole window display. Like, what are we going to do? This window display is attracting, attracting so much attention. And Spader's in there lobbying to get McCarthy fired. And this is a great scene here where Hollywood shows up to, uh, you know, preach on the half of uh, Andrew McCarthy and not get him fired. And he still has a price tag on the suit. <laughs> yeah, he has his flamboyant clothes, but then he rips them off and he has like a real nice business suit. A you normal know, suit. Yeah, he's going to go corporate to go in there and tell these people what's what. But he's he's so hysterical, he can't fathom the idea of Andrew McCarthy being fired. So he starts getting ready to jump out the window and commit suicide. Scene if they don't hire him. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew McCarthy has to pull him out of the window and wrestle him to the ground. <laughs> just great how uh, hysterical Hollywood is. I mean, just the energy that this performance has. Like, like Him too, though. I, I really like James Bader, yeah. too, as this character. Like, as annoying and weird-looking as he is, like, like I like watching him the way he is. <laughs> well, I, I think, too, the reason, like, like why Hollywood and Spader are so great in there, like, they, hit, they both have, in their, even though their characters are way different, they both kind of have that... <laughs> that manic comedic energy you don't see a lot it's almost like on the level of like a robin williams or yeah. jim carrey you know yeah just care actors that are willing to go above to like really you know show an exaggerated character yeah but but what's good about it is like it's all within the context of the story too yeah. they don't they're not just like it's not like those. It's not like now when you see like these Jonah Hill movies or whoever, and they're just riffing on and on and on and making all these jokes that don't relate to the plot at all. Well, like the one of the movies we just saw, where there was a character who was like totally over the top for no reason. Oh, <laughs> it didn't make sense of the story, but here they do. Yeah. So now the board meeting lets out, and McCarthy gets to go in and find out he's not fired because the owner of the store, Stel Getty, obviously loves what he did and. You know, he promotes her. She promotes him. Yeah, from stock boy <laughs> to head visual merchandiser. <laughs> she loved the window so much. Yeah, and he tries to explain that he doesn't know if he can keep that level up. You know, but she believes in him. Yeah, she believes in him. So this is another. You know, and then it gets good too because it's like, you know, it's kind of fitting too that it took place in Philadelphia where Rocky took place because. <laughs> It's another rags to riches type story. Yeah. I like how Spader Tilly does a 180 and tries to convince McCarthy that <laughs> they were re- they were ready to fire him and he saved his job. Yeah. 
And I love the end of the scene, too, where they all leave the boardroom and McCarthy kicks his feet up on the boardroom <laughs> table and he's all happy. And he does that little, ow, like, Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah, Spader telling the, uh, the homophobic security guard, uh, Felix Maxwell here. I'm going to screw up this guy's name, but it's, it's like B.W. or G.W. Bailey. He also played the evil um, guy from the Police Academy sequels. <laughs> that was like, and it's so interesting because like his his uniform here is almost exactly like his uniform in Police Academy. That's funny. Yeah. So Spader tells him to keep an eye. I like there's like a businessman back there just standing around reading the paper in this like employee hallway. It's funny. Well, it kind of looks like it goes out into like a subway or something. Yeah, it's really bizarre. I mean, maybe it does. They're in Philadelphia. Oh, look, there's all the time cards. Yeah, there's like, you know how old school this is, because look, there's hundreds of time cards. That's funny, I didn't notice that before. Yeah, and I'm sure that's all like the legit stuff at the store, because I was reading how this, the real life department store that they filmed it at, it was known for, you know, having so many employees. GW. Yeah, GW. It's Bailey, right? Yeah. Yeah. Guy's a great comedic actor. No, yeah, he goes to visit her again, and she comes to life again, so, like, now he kind of, you know, understands that, you know, she, because he didn't know, because he thought it was a hallucination if this would, you know, happen again. Is this when she tells him that only he can see her? Yeah. Or she'll only come to life when they're alone? Yeah, no one else can see her. Because he would, basically because he created her. Yeah. And so, yeah, here she starts going on her past, talking about how, you know, she couldn't give uh, Michelangelo to fall in love with her because, you know, he was gay and the Pope knew. And then also she talks about how she inspired uh, Clarissa Columbus to, uh, you know, set sail and stuff. So, yeah, she's responsible for... She was the one that told him that the earth wasn't, wasn't flat. Right. And here's, like, it's like a line, you almost miss it right here, but, like, you know, they're walking around the store, and they get to the audio department, and she backs up on a button, and, um, you know, all these giant speakers starts playing, starts playing music, and she goes, where, where do they hide all the musicians? <laughs> like, she has, no. Yeah. She's, like, she's never heard a stereo before. Yeah, she has no clue. And I gotta say, too, uh... <laughs> For both the opening credits, I don't know if that song wasn't out yet, but, but for both the opening credits and even that scene in her character, I can't believe they didn't get Walk Like an Egyptian in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, it would have been so perfect. <laughs> you going to have to look that up to see which came first, the movie or that song. But here we have, like, like basically, and this is, like, um, almost like what happens in career opportunities, where the people are locked in the store overnight, and they just play like a million different types of dress up and they dance around and they're like kind of like role um playing here and he goes through like a bunch of different characters and the Kefa's characters Jeez. he's like always smoking and stuff like yeah here he is kind of playing like phantom of the opera yeah phantom of the opera and then she dances yeah walk like egyptian came out 86 so probably around the time they were filming this but I wonder which one inspired which. Well, well they could have used it. <laughs> yeah, they, that's what I'm wondering. Like, because like it was like, 
you know, she was even doing, like, the walk like an Egyptian dance like they do in the video in that one scene. This is kind of my favorite when they're in the freight elevator and he's dressed up with the guitar and she's almost got, like, a Tina Turner 80s look going here with the hair. I like the mobster one. <laughs> so, like, basically, they kind of start to fall in love. I mean, it's kind of almost implied from the beginning that it's, like, love at first sight for both of them, but they kind of start to fall in love by, like... Playing dress up every night at the store, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Just having fun. This is how they spend their time together. Yeah. Instead of going out on dates and stuff. Yeah, because they can't go out in public, obviously. Because she's a dummy. <laughs> but yeah. And obviously, like, like, they're not boning or anything, but obviously there's a lot of physical touch. Yeah, here's the one time she gets tired of his role play smoking cigarettes. Well, like, she's always, too, like, like not letting him kiss her. Like, yeah. Pushes him away a lot. I don't understand that. <laughs> I just got that to be, like, this um, this montage thing. Jeez. Yeah, there she is in lingerie. That's kind of the most naked you see Kim Cattrall in this. You see her skeleton body. <laughs> yeah, she was very thin, very lean. And she said she did a lot of... Um, uh, I forget what type of exercise she said she did, but she said she did a lot of exercise because she was actually trying to look like the mannequins. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, so. And I really like this because this is the first time, like, she kind of gets caught. Like, some, Hollywood walks in, and she has to, like, she, like, she basically freezes in pose. And, the, and it's always in a different pose. So, like, um, she was saying, like, they had a real sculptor guy, like, sculptor, and they made six different mannequins in all the different poses that she wow. has to do. <laughs> So they did create, like, actual, like, you know, uh, special dummies just for the movie. That's impressive. Yeah. I like, too, there was the one little part when they were dancing, like, he froze like he was a mannequin. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, he was looking at his watch. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. She, he kind of plays with it, too, like, with the freezing the dancer doing. And, like, pretty much with this scene, like, Hollywood already knows, like, what's up. Like, I mean, he doesn't know that she's a real woman that comes alive. Yeah. But he already knows that, that Andrew McCarthy is, um, you know, because he even says, I'm like, hey, you know, like, whatever, more power to you, whatever. Like, he doesn't judge them or, you know, think he's weird or anything. Yeah, he thinks he's in love with an actual mannequin and he doesn't, like, he yeah. doesn't criticize him for it at all. Yeah, I, I was blanking on his character, McCarthy's character's name. His name is Jonathan Switcher, and I don't know how I blanked on that, because especially Spader says his name like a thousand times. Yeah, he does. So here we have, there was always like animal hijinks in comedy movies too back then. And here we have the evil security guard uh, <laughs> sicking his dog on them. They're coming out of the elevator, and the dog gets scared and runs away. <laughs> And the little, the, I mean, he's like, what kind of dog is he? He's not a pit bull. A bulldog. Bulldog, yeah. His name's Rambo. Because he, he likes like, to everybody first freaks blood. out because you can hear her voice when she's talking, but then yeah. when he shows up, it's just with the, with the mannequin. He's always confused because he hears more than one voice. Right. Like, here's this part, your favorite. This is my favorite part. They're doing a display that has, like, a conveyor belt gimmick, and when she turns it on, it rips off his pants, and, like, you could tell they had to speed it up or something, and he starts, like, laughing, like, he didn't know it was gonna happen, or maybe it's because it failed, and they, you know, later they sped it up, but maybe at the time it worked so shitty, 
But like, yeah, that's that's probably my favorite gag of the movie when his <laughs> pants get ripped off, and it's just the look at his face afterwards. <laughs> so his second window, he 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 gets is the mannequins. It's basically like a, a cloth background that looks like the city that rolls behind them. So they're on bikes, so it looks like they're like moving through the city. But their legs are moving. You can't really see good because people are standing there, but their legs yeah. are moving too. Pedaling. I think when they show his house, it's just like a back alleyway. <laughs> <laughs> like that's all it is. It's probably like one of those brownstones or whatever. Yeah. He keeps his phone in a drawer. His old-timey wired phone. But it's like a cool '80s old timey phone because it's like see through. Yeah. Remember like that trend in the '80s? I had one in the '90s. Did you have a see through yeah. phone? Yeah. Yeah, like like it got really popular with the video games, mm. like the little Game Boys and shit. Mm. Oh yeah. To make yeah. the see through ones, everybody wanted the see through. I have. A, I always wanted one of those. I actually have a see through Xbox. Really? Yeah, the first Xbox. Oh, yeah. Because my first regular one broke, and then I got the limited edition one. But you can't really see much because it's it's inside. It's mostly a metal case, oh. you know. But the plastic is clear plastic. That's funny. I always like to see through stuff. Yeah. Now we got to talk about this scene right here because <laughs> his girlfriend Roxy says, "Oh, you got to meet me for lunch and stuff." And he goes into a restaurant that he got fired from because he actually burned the restaurant down pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And here you—they have random garlic hanging in the back. I know. <laughs> It's supposed to be, like, a nice restaurant. Here he meets the Mater D, who's like, you know, did you come back to, you know. And I, you know who I thought this guy was? He, like, his comedic acting, the Mater D. I thought it was Ron House, the guy who played the barber from Private Resort. <laughs> like, he looks and acts just like him, and he's even uh, bald. Like, I mean, he's got the hairpiece on, but but I thought that's what it was like. Now, here's the one scene where, where actually Roxy has her hair down. And I was surprised. I thought she looked, like, totally different, like this. <laughs> Yeah, because I think they're supposed to be in a date situation. Yeah, she's trying to win him back and be nice. And it's not even, like, I don't know. At this point, I'm not thinking that, like, because they never really broke up or whatever. They just didn't see each other for, like, a week. You know, and they kind of had that spat or whatever. But, like, I, I didn't get the, you know, feeling that he was totally against getting back with her. But it just didn't seem like it wasn't happening at the same time. What do you think? I don't know. It's kind of ambiguous. It's kind of like when you're with somebody, you know, it's never really over kind of thing. Yeah. And then, like, now, because he's successful and the kind of guy that she wants, now all of a sudden she's all about him. Yeah. Because she's immediately, like, basically with, you know, he he meets her or whatever, you know, thinking this is, like, the friendship dating thing. But once he finds out that... That she's trying to get him to come to her st- shitty store. Yeah. So he almost, you know, he bumps into a waiter who has a flaming dish, and now a new fire starts. And, and like, legit, the fire is, like, kind of shooting out all over. <laughs> he uses the Mater D's wig to put it out. That's toupee. That's toupee. Oh, there's a uh, Rambo. Teeth. <laughs> I know. He's got a headache now. I, I think it's funny that he's like sitting under Spader's desk. Too. <laughs> the dog is. Yeah. And Spader hates him. <laughs> yeah. He feels so bad for the dog. Spader doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. Spader's like all jacked up that. This loser guy is doing the window displays and shit. I almost could watch a whole movie of these two guys. Just the security guard and uh, Spader as the sleazy GM. 
I don't know about the security guard, but I can watch Spader. Yeah, his character's really good. Like, he, like he's a co- corporate mole and all that shit, but, like, as the movie goes along, like, he's so likable. Like, you almost want him to, like, come around to the other side and turn good, but, yeah, he never does. He stays sleazy. But I guess that's Spader. He could never be normal. He's always got to be sleazy. <laughs> I like him as a bad guy. I think yeah. they could have just done more with him as a bad guy in another movie or something. <laughs> yeah, um... He's uh, did you? I can't remember if you ever watched it with me. Did you ever watch the new kids with Spader? Came out like right, maybe two years before this. Right before he made it big, it was made by the guy who made the first Friday Thirteenth. Is that the one where he's like a bully or something? He's a bully. Yeah, yeah I think we did see. That. Yeah, and they tried to rape Lori Loughlin for Full House. I think so. Yeah. But yeah, and he, but in that one, he, he transformed himself into an albino. He bleached all his hair and yeah, eyebrows and I shit. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. We've seen a few James yeah. Spader movies. Yeah, I like a lot of Spader movies. I think it was when you were doing your Spader marathon thing for one of your shows. Yeah, Spader Timber. <laughs> so now the That's high... That's a callback. Yeah. <laughs> So so now now we have Roxy and our man. So they're kind of like, you know, cohorts now. They're sneaking around the store at night to try to find out who the woman is that makes the windows with them. Like they st- they don't know the dummy is like his inspiration or whatever. I like how every time the guy touches her, she always reacts gross. Like Ugh, yeah, like she always grossed out. No. <laughs> Yeah, he's like oh starts taking his dick out. Like he's already. so gross, man. Yeah. Ugh. This is like you know, like seeing this, I kind of imagine like what was happening on the set of the Predator. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> <laughs> practically, you would think. I wonder, oh, oh well. <laughs> she put ice in his pants. <laughs> yeah, she put ice down down Andrew McCarthy's pants. But yeah, that's totally. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if they remade this if uh, Olivia Munn would consider because she actually be kind of good as Roxy, but <laughs> she, she kind of looks like her. Well, and like I mean, she complained about the guy being grosser on the set, but then her character was all about being harassed yeah. all the time in the movie she was in. So. Yeah, the movie The Predator. They couldn't figure out if they wanted to make her like a badass Sigourney Weaver type, or if she was like gangbang fodder or yeah. something. It was weird. I like that shot that they had previously, where you saw the two different levels of the store yeah. and like how massive it was. Uh, the security guard was on the bottom level, trying to get his dog to like basically work, and then they they were sneaking around on the top level. Yeah, they had action going on on both floors yeah this is like a really well-made movie with like the photography and stuff There's like everything's very easy to see like what's going on not like modern movies where you can't tell what the fuck's going on anytime oh my gosh yeah <laughs> our man's getting pictures of him rolling around on the floor with the dummy and the security guard found him with the dummy i like how they didn't they're standing so close but they didn't hear all the commotion <laughs> yeah they're like 10 feet away and they're arguing very loudly and yeah and pretty much from this part on, the security guard, uh, Felix Maxwell, he's going to start calling Jonathan Switcher a prevert, <laughs> right? He calls yeah, him a prevert. Yeah. So. But, like, what's weird is, like, um, Spader just said, just follow him. Like, that's all, just tell me what he's doing at night, kind of. Yeah. 
So now that he found him, like, rolling on the floor with, like, a dummy on top of him, he actually, like, assaults him. And, like, they have a fist fight. He actually, like, punched him in his back. Yeah, like... Like and what's cool is Andrew McCarthy's actually fighting back. Like this is like a legit fight scene through, and they're they're kind of in the sporting good department of the store. Yeah. And I think this is like the only part of the store that kind of looks like maybe they like fixed it up to be like for the movie, you know? Because yeah. like the, like all these props and stuff. But it's like a legit fight, you know? And they're <laughs> using all the stuff. He's shooting the tennis balls at him now. <laughs> It's pretty cool, and then it kind of reminds me of the fight at the end of the Gremlins. Then he tackles them to a huge pile of soccer balls. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and then the dummy gets involved in the fight, but uh, his back was turned, so he didn't actually see that it was the dummy attacking him. Well, there's some old Air Jordan 1s in the back there up on top. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what's funny is they just go back to work after, like, having a legit fist fight. Did they have Jordans in the 80s? Yeah, the first ones came out like 85 or whatever. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the, the first ones they sold for two years. Like, they didn't come out the Jordan 2 for a while. They just kept selling the first one for a long time. Uh, I don't know why I thought that was like more of a 90s, 90s thing. thing. <laughs> I think they got bigger in the 90s. Yeah. It was really more around what I remember personally. I remember it was really with the 3 and the 4 got big around 88. I like how he heard Hollywood heard stuff going on behind him and like nothing was there and just to make him not feel make himself not feel crazy he just changed his glasses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like okay, everything's better now. Yeah, because they were riding bicycles going behind <laughs> him. And he, you know, he it was like one of those gags where he turned around, and he heard something, but nobody was there, so he just puts on a p- different pair of sunglasses. I like that bicycle he was riding, how it had, like, the spokes were all covered up. I remember that was another yeah. 80s trend with the yeah. solid wheels. That was cool. <laughs> now, here's, like, the only time... I mean, I guess we are talking about a movie where a dummy comes to life. <laughs> mannequin. But, um, I guess we are, like, this is the only kind of, quote-unquote, unrealistic part of the movie. Where she rides a hang glider around. Yeah. And I don't think you could probably see it on the DVD or the VHS, but on the Blu-ray, it's... Very, very faint, but you can kind of see the wires on the thing yeah. on top. But yeah, when I saw it, when we were watching it, I was kind of like, how is she floating up there? Like, yeah. how, there's no air blowing to keep her up or whatever. Right, and I think with a hang glider, you kind of would need to be going in a straight line for a while to get, like, some wind going yeah. or whatever. Yeah, you can't just go in a circle. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the department store is huge, but the, the, the area diameter is not huge enough for a hang glider. Dog's like, no. <laughs> and I have to say, like, a lot of lesser movies, it just would have been, like, the security guard going after them in the store for a long time. But they kind of, at least at that store, they kind of wrap it up here because she comes out with the hang glider and hits the uh, security guard and knocks him out. Yeah. He's actually going to end up kind of getting fired over that later. One thing that was interesting about this movie i noticed too was like she's very forward like in terms of women's you know whatever you want to not rights well i guess rights because like even when they were back in egypt she was like i don't want to just get married i want to make things and like she was all about like being an inventor and stuff and like now in this like that whole flying scene she was like i flew like 
she's so wanting to accomplish things that, you know, are above what a woman is supposed to be wanting to do. So that's one thing that I found interesting about this movie. Yeah, like, it's kind of funny because, you know, without going too far down the political rabbit hole here, is like, you know, like, I grew up in the 80s, and that was, like, way after the, like, burning your bra movement and all that stuff. Like, I, I grew up as a little kid being told that women can do anything a man can do and all that kind of stuff. So, like, I grew up believing that. And, like, now when we go to, like, the modern whatever, like, we're told that the 80s were, like, the dark ages and women. Like, they make it sound like it was, the it was like, Mad Men and shit. You know what I mean? But that's why I'm saying, like, there's a lot of, there's some things, because I have that impression. Like, I was saying earlier how he made that comment about, well, it's better than working with a bigot. And I'm kind of like, were people aware of that kind of stuff then? So, like, naturally, you know? And then, like, were young people, you know? Like, were they, but, I mean, obviously... I was alive in the 80s, but I was little. You were a kid, you know, I was kid, a baby yeah. or, yeah, a young kid. So it's like, I'm not really sure what the culture was like for young people then. But, yeah. and then, like, to now this, with her, how she's, like, you know, to me, it seems impressive that she wants to be doing things that a woman, quote-unquote, aren't supposed to do, you know? So, right. And I don't know, like you're saying, like, I don't know what the environment was like for women in the 80s so yeah i mean i, I can't because i was young too i can't speak to what it was really like like out in the real life workplace yeah. but i can just speak to like what we were taught as children you know what yeah. i mean like we weren't taught that sexist way you know yeah. and like women in the workforce uh you know becoming executives and stuff like that was a big that was a big deal in the 80s you know like you know but um but yeah, here we kind of have, you know, the aftermath of the shenanigans being exposed of, you know, the the security guard being knocked out in the middle of the store and stuff. He gets fired. And uh, it's funny. So does Spader. Yeah, Spader. Yeah, Spader tries to stick up for him. And uh, yeah, Estelle Getty fires Spader as well. Because like Spader pretty much the whole time is like talking shit about everything that's going on in the store now. And now he even insults her that yeah. she's so old to be running the store. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, pretty much she fires Spader and the uh, security guard on the spot. And she pretty much gives Andrew McCarthy Spader's job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a great moment there where he tries, the, the security guard tries to, you know, bond with Spader and say, we'll file a grievance with a union. And Spader tells him, we're not even in a union. Like, what are you talking about, idiot? <laughs> Here we get a nice, like, what would you call it, um, montage of the, you know, the, the, like, literally the newspapers are getting in on this, you know, these ads, these, uh, not ads, these windows, you know. Because the store is doing better. Yeah, they're making lots of money. Financially. So, like, somebody spent $50 at the store, they showed that. <laughs> and they're just making, and I gotta say, like, I think the biggest, like, trend or whatever i've noticed about the windows that they're making it's funny how everybody's looking at him because they all know <laughs> yeah like the word is out that he's always like like people like legit think it's like a norman bates thing with him and this <laughs> dummy because he always go, like you said they go into rooms and talk and everybody eavesdrops and they hear <laughs> so it's not even like they're discreet but, but they know. never like go into the room to look it's no funny. so now we show like the the neon 
you know, very, like, Miami Vice-looking 80s stores now, like, doing shitty business. Yeah. Yeah, like, I like this thing because BJ Worth, he throws this shit, like, all these papers in this conference boardroom, and there's, like, ashtrays, like, four ashtrays on there. And the one ashtray, like, flies over and almost hit that lady. She has to grab it. <laughs> Like, like I, I don't know, like, how to describe it other than, you know, it's like, try not to shit on, like, modern movies too much, but I like how back then, even comedy movies, everybody was acting out of control and so crazy. Yeah. Whatever happened, happened. Yeah. And they went with it. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't cut it out. <laughs> but, you know, going back to the women's thing, too, because, like, they explained at the beginning of the movie, Estelle Getty just took over the store, you know, like, two weeks ago. And it was it was failing before she even took it over. Did you see that? It did her like eyeglass thing was in the glass. I don't think she yeah. meant to do that. No, yeah, she, she saw it she, and yeah, she was she like, pulled it out. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, so like I mean, it's it's a woman's success story with her like like turning the store around because you know her ideas and promoting you know Jonathan Switcher. Yeah. Because at the beginning, everybody wanted to wanted her to sell the store re- like really cheap at a loss to the Elestra people. Yeah. And she refused to, you know, she stuck by her gun, so Yep. She's a successful businesswoman. Yeah. And meanwhile this this girl, she like refuses to leave these like nasty men that are like yeah. over her. <laughs> well like well like yeah, at a at a luster, there are like you see women in the Ooh, back. Thought his finger. Yeah, he must have smashed it in a car door or something. <laughs> That's weird how that like takes years to go away. Does it go away? It does. I had it one time. I got a car door slammed on my hand and my oh. my thumb, uh, it was, but it was more like the top half of the nail mm. turned black. You just have to wait for it to grow out. It oh. Takes a long time because it's blood that gets trapped underneath there. But I see that a lot in old movies, and I'm like, I'm like, geez, like, can you just like not show that? <laughs> so yeah, now he brings the dummy into the women's bathroom, so they can have a conversation, and like women are like, yeah, that's fine. They're like, they even say, oh yeah, come in, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, and now the women are all gathering outside, eavesdropping, hear him talk to the dummy. Like since he was the vice president or whatever, I'm surprised he just didn't have an office where he kept her in the whole time. Yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, he, you would think, because he took Spader's job, you think he would have got Spader's uh, office or whatever. <laughs> and, like, this scene, like, they feature it, the, the the gag when Hollywood walks in in a minute, they actually feature this at the end of the the uh, trailer. But, yeah, this, this is really, even though they, they were kind of, like, holding each other in affection before, I think this is their first real kiss here yeah. that we see. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Hollywood tells him he won't tolerate eavesdropping unless he's a part of it here. <laughs> yeah. So Hollywood bursts in, and I think this is, like, a, another good example of, like, the custom <laughs> mannequin that they made. Because, like, she's sitting on the sink. Like, you see the position of the, yeah. the arms of the mannequin. You can tell it's a custom one they made for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hollywood tells him. That's the line from the trailer. He says... Jonathan, you know I would normally never bother you while you're getting a piece of wood. <laughs> and there's another part where he says something about, like, calls him a freak or something, yeah. and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> He's, like, celebrating it. <laughs> yeah. 
This is where Hollywood's afraid of getting fired because, you know, like he doesn't do as good a work as Jonathan or whatever, but... And he asks him for help, right? Yeah. But he says he can't do anything with anybody around or whatever. Yeah, because he... Like, this is where you kind of find... I mean, it's really kind of been evident the whole time that it's really her that makes the windows and not him. Yeah. But this is where it's really, like... You know, because basically Hollywood wants Jonathan to teach him how to make these great windows. Yeah. But, like, the thing I noticed is really the common thread in all the windows is just that they put, like, mechanical movement into them. Yeah. Like, it seemed like that is what really... And I'm surprised the luster just didn't rip that off right away, you know? Yeah. I guess they don't know how to do it. Yeah. Or they don't have anyone willing to. Yeah, they just want to sit around in boardrooms all day and sexually harass Roxy. <laughs> Jeez, her dress is so loose on her. Yeah, it's probably because she was so skinny. Yeah, I want to say Big Trouble in Little China came out before this, but I don't know which one was shot first or because they were like real close within like a year. But like pretty much this movie and Big Trouble in Little China is like the only thing I ever knew Kim Cattrall from. From the. Yeah, this is great. Hollywood's like groping this female mannequin. He says, "Take a picture. Like we can convince my mom that I switched." <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So now we have Spader. He's over at Illustre now. It's funny. Like I didn't realize how much like dialogue was in this movie because there's some parts now where I'm kind of like, "What are they saying?" Yeah. <laughs> This is where he's in. Basically, Spader's just introducing the security guard to Miss BJ, where just to try to give him a job, and they're kind of regrouping over there. Because like the whole time, they're still working on like what is the plan to you know shut that other store down so they can buy it for cheap or whatever. But now it's like not only is it their main competitor, it's beating them. So look how Spader is like. He's so like he's acting like with every inch of his body. I know. Yeah, because I'm trying to think, other than maybe that Rodriguez movie, Shorts, which was really a kid's movie, I can't think of any light-hearted movies Spader was ever in, so I mean, I definitely don't think he was ever doing a comedic role like this ever again. I think it's the only one he ever did, period. So yeah, so basically, you know, they're scheming up ways to put it into the success that's going on over there. And, like, they know it's the dummy. Like, they, st- they still don't know that it's a woman. But they think if they get this guy's dummy, they can either finally force him to come work for them and revitalize their business. Or, at the very least, they could, um, you know, put the other store out of business. Yeah. So, I like this one. I thought the little photographer guy there was cool. <laughs> yeah. At first, when I first saw this, I was like, is that a guy actually sitting there? Like, because yeah. it looks real. <laughs> well, it is, because when he was working with Hollywood, because uh, he had to come with that concept himself. Mm. Like, Oh, it is a real guy. Yeah, they're, and the girls are real, too. Like, the one on the right kind of still looks like a dummy. Really? but Yeah, they're supposed to be real, because that he even says, it was Hollywood's line of, maybe my mom will think I switched. Yeah. It gave Jonathan an idea. He says, oh, switch the dummies with real people. Really? Yeah. I totally missed it. Yeah, that was the theme of it. It comes, like, there's a lot of stuff in this movie, like, and, the, and I've seen this movie d- probably a dozen times over the years, and since we got this Blu-ray or whatever, we got this, like, a year ago, it was really just watching it, like, the last couple of times back to back, 
like, because I watched this, like, one and a half times in the last couple weeks, that I got a lot of the nuance or whatever. So, yeah, so Roxy and Armand came by, and, and he's he's finally, like, he's liberated now, too. He's just going to take the dummy out in public, you know, he dresses <laughs> her up. And I guess, technically, this is kind of stealing, though, because he's, he's taking the, you know, uh, like, he put fancy jewelry on her and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's technically from taking... From the store. From the store, yeah. But he's going to bring it back. Yeah. I did that one time when I worked at a video store. And somebody told me I was stealing because I took a tame, tape home to watch it and brought it back. But <laughs> I don't think it was really stealing because I brought it back. But at a video store, you're yeah. supposed to officially do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, a, it was a used copy, but it was for sale. Mm. And we didn't. It was the only copy we had, and they put it for sale because they were trying to get rid of all the VHSs, you know. Yeah. And in retrospect, I wish I would have bought it for like ten bucks or whatever it was, because it, it's a pretty rare movie. But I was like, oh, I want to watch this, so I just took it home, watched it, and brought it back. So now she gave in, and she's gonna sleep with the guy. Yeah, she's so hurt that her boyfriend left her for a dummy that she's gonna go sleep with the guy. Now I think this is one of the best parts of the movie with the. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, Spaders come up with a plan to kidnap the dummy, you know, because then what's his, his switcher won't be able to do what he does. Here we have a great dummy. Everybody's like, what I like too is when he takes her out in public, like people on the street are like screaming in shock and horror that he's got a dummy. But, Except um, for that man. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you to judge? <laughs> Who are you to judge? But, uh, yeah, like basically, um, Spader. And uh, Felix here, they want to go kidnap the dummy, so they, 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 you know, they, they, what do you call it, like, is, I guess it's like a mugger, a robber, like, you put on the ski cap and you put shoe polish on your face? <laughs> this turns into, like, a straight-up action movie chase scene. Well, it seems like to me he's just trying to be more like having camouflage like a soldier. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's from the military or whatever. So we have a car chasing a motorcycle here, and Felix is, like, crashing into all these other cars and stuff. I think they kind of took liberties with this part, because if only he's supposed to be able to see her move, like... Yeah. They're, I mean, they're out in public, and there's people driving around, and yeah. she comes to life. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's just, just certain shots they cut to, and it'll be, you know, cut in between the dummy being on the back of the motorcycle, or the real her... So I guess we're supposed to assume the parts where it's her, like here, like nobody's seeing them, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, it still seems yeah. strange. Because whenever they see, uh, you know, Spader and Felix see her, uh, they just see the dummy. I like this part, they, they go through the alleyway and stuff. And obviously there's like some <laughs> stunt ramps set up here, but yeah. it's good. This part yeah, of the, the part of the run. guy on the motorcycle. Yeah, you can tell the stunt driver is totally not McCarthy. I was surprised how obvious they were. Yeah, there. they weren't counting on Blu-ray ever being invented back then. <laughs> and the gag here is that they drive their car down in this little alleyway. They ramp up into the air, like total Dukes of Hazzard style. And the car actually gets stuck, like probably, what, eight feet off the ground? I wonder how they did that. I think they just had to, like... Like, ramp the car and then put the car in it. Like, I think one of the, the sides of the walls was fake to wedge it oh, in between. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they put it up, probably put it on the lift, and they probably had, like, a fake wall with something holding it yeah. on the side. 
So here we have Roxy and Armand in his, his totally tasteless, nasty tiger Scarface <laughs> apartment. And after all this time of sexually harassing the shit out of her, he couldn't get a boner. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And he says maybe because you're so cold. <laughs> yeah, he actually blames her. It's not even like, it's not even apologetic or whatever. I can't even believe she went there though. So gross. I know. <laughs> That guy is so gross. Well, she even said, take me to your place before I change my mind. <laughs> so it's like, you know. I guess one thing we should talk about this is, um, and I guess I should actually look up the name of the song. But this movie, like, launched uh, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship. Like, the theme song to this, um, uh, which was originally Jefferson Starship, eventually became Starship, but... This song that was in this movie, you would not believe how big this song was. And, and I mean, I still hear it like from time to time on like a radio station and shit, like Bob FM or whatever. But um, the song was huge at the time. Like, kind of made this movie seem even bigger than it really was. Lovers leap. <laughs> Lover, yeah. So they're actually boning in a tent in a display in the store, like Jeez. a camping display. <laughs> oh. Or doing something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what, they both kept poking their heads out of the tent. Like, how do you have sex that way? And then lying around naked in the store. Yeah, they're finally having sex now. And, like, like whenever I see this movie, like, I always see that, and I always think, like, the sequel would have been, like, their mannequin baby. <laughs> you know, like a baby that, like, they, they like, whatever, is, like, always turned into wood or whatever. Their baby could be, like, the little baby Jesus out of, like, a manger or something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But here they... never grow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it could be... It would be weird. Yeah. It would have to be a really creative story. (laughs) I mean, you know, like, I would say, like, uh, maybe, like, Andrew McCarthy went on to bigger things or whatever. I mean, they did, like I said, they did make the sequel. They just, you know, didn't continue the story. They came up with two new characters or whatever. Mm. But, um... Yeah, it wasn't like Andrew McCarthy got super big on this. I mean, unless just Pretty in Pink made him bigger. But it wasn't like... Like, pretty much, like... Unless I'm blanking on a movie, I think this is the last really big movie he was in. Really? Yeah, because after this was Fresh Horses, which which I love. They shot in Cincinnati. Him and Molly Ringwald, they kind of... they try, Well, they didn't try to recapture Pretty in Pink. They just made a dark drama with them two. Mm. And it, like, flopped. And then that was kind of like the end of McCarthy as, like, a big guy. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Like, I th- I want to say... Because he had his early movies, like, Class and stuff, which were a hit, like, with Rob Lowe. But, but you know, he that's when he was still first starting out, pretty much. But I want to say pretty much for him, for Andrew McCarthy, the big triumvirate of movies was uh, St. Elmo's Fire, Pretty in Pink, and this. Mm. So here, yeah, Felix and Spader. And the thing I love about Spader... Is like, you know, his like robber's outfit or undercover mission outfit. <laughs> he wears his regular three piece suit. He puts gloves on, like, and they, <laughs> you know, they both have gloves on. I guess not to leave fingerprints because they're breaking in the store that they used to work at. But if you notice closely, Spader, he has like gloves on that are like women's velvet gloves that like go up to it. Like, like you can tell, like they go all the way up into his suit. Like they're like the women's evening gown gloves. Like see them and how tight they are on him. Yeah. He's totally got women's evening gown gloves. And you don't know it's Spader because like he's a real actor and everything. He puts all the, 
You have to put her ass in his face. Yeah, yeah, when they're trying to grab the dummies and they're grabbing all awkwardly in sexual positions and stuff. But, um... I bet Spader had some kind of, like, fictional character biography behind his character that made this guy really dark and twisted. <laughs> I thought this was the weirdest display because she's, like, not even dressed in this Egyptian theme that they have. Yeah, they... They just had a random scene. It's not the main display window because, you know, these these department stores, I was going to say this when we were watching this other night, the main, those department stores, like, they have, like, different... Because they go around blocks, they have different yeah. windows. That wasn't, like, the main big display, but it was just, like, the sh- yeah, the shitty little Egyptian display that she was just <laughs> standing in. Now, here, after they boned all night, McCarthy fell asleep in a pile of furs. Everybody's that, clapping right now. Yeah, everybody loves it, that he's naked in the middle of the store. <laughs> and I think it's kind of cool that he was able to get away with this without, like, getting fired. <laughs> yeah. I like how it's just a snap from Hollywood, everybody quiets. Yeah, like Hollywood, just like, you know, he totally commands the room, tells yeah. everybody to shut up. He's telling him they stole her. Yeah, they stole all the dummies, pretty much. Oh. All the mannequins. And he tells them, including your special one, so. And of course he runs off naked. And, and like, they're still clapping. <laughs> yeah, and like... You know, like, whatever we are into this, we're getting towards the end. Yeah, there's actually only 15 minutes left. But I thought this was a great ending because, like, you don't really see it coming that it's going to ramp up into this, like, really frenetic, comedic, almost action movie way, you know? This car is awesome. Yeah. Uh, Hollywood's uh, license plate bad girl. His giant it says something else above it. You've got us something. I didn't see. Yeah, I couldn't read that either when I was there. I love more more fast motion comedy hijinks. You could almost play Yakety Sax over this. Hollywood has to put his giant car cover that says Hollywood on it. I almost think, like, in a weird way, like, Hollywood, like, the character was based on the Angeline lady. How she, like, you know, had her whole gimmick and all that. Yeah. Look, even the lamp is pink there. Yeah, very stylish. Uh-oh, busted. I like that they're, yeah, they're always in this boardroom. Like, Spader never really got outed as being the corporate mole while he was still at the other job. He just yeah. got fired for fucking everything up. Yeah. And not even him really screwing everything up. He was just letting security guard run wild. And constantly talking shit about Jonathan. Yeah. Oh, he's getting mad serious. See, that that's a, like, I'm a huge Andrew McCarthy fan. He's like one of my favorite movie uh, uh, actors from the 80s movies and stuff. Now, we were talking about this when Roxy, like, runs off here. Oh, he punched Spader, too. Wow. Yeah. Like, but I, I feel like McCarthy has a great, natural, like, comedic whatever. Like, but he, like, he really goes into his roles. Like, you could tell how pissed he was in that scene. Like, it yeah. was actually convincing acting-wise. Now, I was going to say this other night, because we were talking about how how weird Roxy want. Uh, I'm getting tongue-tied here. How weird Roxy runs in this movie, in this part. <laughs> I think they sped her up. I think she just couldn't really, like, run with stride because she had that, like, skirt on. I don't know. She looks like she's just running normal. Or either she's just being, like, super bouncy because she's wearing those shoes. That could be. She's trying to go fast in those little shoes. Because the shots where she's in, the people behind her, yeah, it's weird. Like, she's, like, moving in this weird, like, herky-jerky, almost stop-motion animation style, but... 
Yeah, I guess you're right, because the people in the... Oh, look, Spader trying to grease his hair back then. <laughs> but the people in the That's shots... He's, like, the grabbing the dog by the neck. Like, yeah. I was When I saw that the first time, I was like, oh, that doesn't look right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now he has a new dog, the Terminator. He's, like, a very fearful, I guess, German Shepherd or whatever. He just runs by Andrew McCarthy. He doesn't even care. And I actually thought they did a good job of the way they shot this. I mean, they pretty much just run back and forth in this department store twice. But the way they make it like a cool Keystone Cops thing with all security <laughs> guards tripping and Andrew McCarthy sliding underneath them and doing all this shit. I thought this was good. And it's really outrageous the way they knock like all the security guards and knock all the like, clothes down in the store. Well, I just thought it was crazy because, like, you know those things poke you and they hurt. Like, yeah. I was, I was, like, thinking, like, just seeing them all crashing into yeah. everything. I was like, oh, that must have hurt them. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta give it up to the, the stunt uh, people from back then. Yeah, because they're going full force in those metal racks. Yeah. But I have to say, like, I mean, even though we oh, have... jeez. <laughs> even though, I mean, this is just more hijinks comedy, but... Even though we we had like the the kind of action chase or whatever, <laughs> there yeah, her, waving her girly arms and her legs too, they were like all going out sideways. <laughs> yeah, like I'm surprised they put the you know for a comedy, you know romantic comedy they put together such a frenetic you know. <laughs> he just sat in there. <laughs> action comedy, yeah, he falls into the display case. So she has the idea to go and chop them, chop all the stuff up. Yeah, it's it's not even like a compactor, it's like a legit shredder they have here. So all the dummies that they stole, she's going to go chop them up, you know. And like, this was like really some hateful shit here. I know. That, that, <laughs> that like, you know, they just want to destroy their competition so bad, they think if they kill this guy's dummy, he'll just like give up and either go work for them or just won't make anything anymore or whatever. Like, I was thinking about that. Like, I know it's just a mannequin that she's trying to destroy because that's what she thinks it is, just a mannequin. But, like, uh-huh. it's really kind of dastardly. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's total asshole shit. Like. Because, like, I mean, it turns into a person. <laughs> yeah, and, like I'll, like, I'll be real honest with you. Like, I think the real villain of the movie is Roxy. Because, yeah. like, Spader and the security guard. Like, Spader was a traitorous mole son of a bitch. But, like, he never really did anything out of malice or spite. He just was, you know, the business, the sabotage for the business. Yeah. Where she was, like, she pretty much dumped him for being a loser. Then when he gets successful, she wants him to come work for her, basically. And then when he says, you know, when he keeps refusing to, because he's not about selling out for money, you know, he likes where he works. like. This is a great scene where Hollywood uh, hits all the security guard guys with a giant uh, fire hose. And it goes on for a long time. He's got, I think he says something to like, this is what it means to be a man or something. Yeah. Like <laughs> and it's funny how they're all just rolling around getting blown back by the water. <laughs> so yeah, so Roxy, yeah, she kind of gets her come up with her because she's standing underneath you. She doesn't know it, but she's standing underneath <laughs> like a big trash chute. So all this garbage comes out and buries her in a pile of like paper garbage. Who did her hair, by the way? Like, it's such a funky hairdo. Yeah. It's, like, all wrapped up in a weird bun, kind of. Well, it's like having a bun, and then she's got, like, two braids coming out or something. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. Here's, like, a, like out, out of nowhere, like, a nerd janitor comes out to, like, watch what's going on. He sees Andrew McCarthy going up this giant conveyor belt that he knows is dangerous. 
Like he never, the nerd just stands there though. Like the nerd janitor, he never tries to turn it off or help him or do anything. Well, because he thinks it's just a mannequin going in there. Well, yeah, but but at the same time, McCarthy's like hanging over the edge. He could fall in too, you know. Mm. It's really great. It's like the, um, you know, the uh, that part looks so good. Yeah, because you never see her like transform. Yeah, that's one thing about this movie is you never see her like transform from the wood dummy to the flesh and blood woman. Yeah. And there was that, that one shot there where it's supposed to look like a, a wooden or plastic arm coming yeah, to life. Yeah. And it, you know who it looked like? It looked didn't like the the white skin look like Data from uh, Star Trek: Next <laughs> yeah. Generation? Yeah. Yeah. Finally, so then the guy sees that it's a real person. So yeah. And then he finally goes to turn the machine off. Yeah. Finally, he turns it off when he hears <laughs> hears the real. Finally, uh, Hollywood's water rose comes out, and he's and he actually says, "Oh shit!" He snaps at him, and he runs away. But but they like they don't try to get him or anything. They just like run past him. They're so obsessed with the dummy. <laughs> and here we have one of the probably the best comedy from the security guard coming up here in a minute. So yeah, so basically, it gets explained here because the nerd janitor can see her as a woman. Um, you know. I guess just that act of, like, love or whatever, and, like, he was, like, putting himself in danger for her. Yeah, they never really explain that. And yeah. now this guy's like, I want one, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, the nerd sees that she, that a dummy became a real woman, so he starts digging in this pile of trash <laughs> that has all the mannequin parts. <laughs> and it pays off really good there, in a way, too. <laughs> so he's, he's, yeah, he's kissing all the dummies and mannequins trying to get them to come to life. And then he finds Roxy. Then he finds Roxy knocked out. <laughs> and thank it, you. Yeah, and he's like, thank you, it's God. <laughs> so here in another crushing blow to the Me Too movement, he kisses a knocked out Roxy. And she, I like the way she wakes up and like crosses her eyes and shit. <laughs> She's totally like slapping and pushing the nerd off her and stuff. <laughs> it's crazy how people are just willing to like believe dummies could come to life and shit. <laughs> Carthy's still rocking them bowling shoes. He's got his arm around her. <laughs> yeah. So when Carthy and her start to walk out, you know, happy, happy ending, and Hollywood runs in. Hollywood can't believe his eyes that she's a real woman. You know, they just thought uh, Switcher was just like a weird guy this whole time. Yeah. It's the dummy. Yeah, here he is. She's the dummy. Felix screaming, she's the dummy. Because nobody else really believes that the dummy is her. Yeah. And, and like, this was, like, the only part that I kind of didn't understand was Estelle Getty shows up at this other store all of a sudden. Yeah. It's just, like, to wrap the ending up, but... But uh, she comes by saying, you know, she has the videotape from the security camera showing that they broke in. There's a huge because the cops are here now too. I'm assuming security, like after they busted up their own store, by the way, like they probably called the cops. Yeah. Well, she has the tape, so it seems like she reported it to the police when they broke into their. Store. Yeah, I guess that's true. The breaking, yeah, because the cops kind of just without question haul everybody off the jail and kind of comedy in there. But uh, they keep saying it was kidnapping, and they're like, "Kidnap who?" And like, yeah, I feel like she, her, she's the dummy. Yeah. Screaming, she's the dummy. And it seems like she knows about yeah. it because he's asking. 
he's asking, what else did you see on the tape? <laughs> yeah, she's like, I saw what I had to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like Hollywood snaps at her. Yeah. I mean, she's only in a couple scenes, but Estelle Getty's awesome in this movie. Yeah. I love her, too, in uh, Stop Where My Mom Will Shoot. Pretty much the only one that didn't go to jail was Roxy. Because she, like, I guess she wasn't really that much in part of the schemes. She wasn't the one that broke into the store. Yeah. And I almost kind of wish, in a way, this was, like, the ending shot of the movie. But I like how, like... Oh, like, you don't know why, but they're still showing the nerd jam there. Like, everybody's left. The movie seems over. Like, you think the credits are going to start rolling up now? (laughs) And the nerd janitor, he's like, fuck it. He (laughs) dives into the pile of trash looking for more women. (laughs) But here's the real ending of the movie. Uh, Emmy and Switcher, Jonathan Switcher, they get married in the window. And it kind of looks like um, Hollywood is marrying them, but there's actually a judge off to the side. With a book and all that. Yeah. And Estelle Getty's in the window with him too. But it's, it's cool that they got married in the window. So, I mean, that's really taking up a notch for the fans outside. <laughs> <Hollywood>. <laughs> yeah. Hollywood's crying. <laughs> and then the best part is when she flips on the bouquet. She, like, totally just flips it to him. And he goes so crazy when he, like, gets it. Oh! Because <laughs> he's getting married next. Yeah. <laughs> That would have been a great sequel if Hollywood got a dummy to fall in love with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the theme song's playing. Now we do the freeze frame. I miss, I know people make fun of it, but I miss the freeze frame of movies. Because it's just like, it leaves you with the feeling that like, hey, it's not really over. Or like, you know, it's just a fun moment. Yeah. So yeah, so that's it for Mannequin. I gotta say, I've always, always been a fan of this. I don't think I saw it in the theater when it came out, but I know I saw it either on video or TV like a lot, a lot of times. And it's kind of funny, like, um, like I was reading like the background of this movie and stuff, and like, uh, the guy who was like the executive producer, he actually was like a research guy, and um. Basically, like, they totally, like, researched this out to hit certain demographics, and they mostly were going for women. And I thought it was funny that, I guess after Pretty in Pink and all that, they did, they found out through research that even though he, they didn't consider him a star actor, that Andrew McCarthy, uh, he tested well with, with, with women, like, he was in movies that they liked, so that's totally why they casted Andrew McCarthy, it was just based on market research. That's funny. They didn't include Hollywood in the credits. No. That's weird. But, um... But, like, yeah, like, I liked this ever since I was a kid. And, like, you... I don't know, just something about it stays with me. And even though it was, like, totally... Like, from what I was reading, it was totally meant to be a girls movie. Like, just as a kid, that the idea that it was about a dummy coming to life, like, it really captured my imagination. <laughs> and I, th- I think, like, just that weird premise, like, really got people interested in the movie who were like normally wouldn't even you know be interested in a romantic comedy type thing you know and obviously like we said there's like a lot more that the movie has to offer because it's not just you know a dummy comes to life and they fall in love or something it's just there's a lot of comedy and hijinks it's really broad movie yeah but yeah just like like even when we were watching it the other night just something about this movie and um 
I'm getting really choked up here talking about mannequin. No, just my throat's dry. But um, I wish I was getting emotional talking about mannequin. That would be great. But um, but no, just like I don't know. It's just one of those movies that like you could totally put on after a bad day at work or something. You know what I mean? And it would like cheer you up. So I mean, I don't know. After all these years, like I'm just shocked, like how much I still love this movie and uh, how uh, you know. Yeah, John Wanamaker was their department store, and then Bosco's was the Electra show store, yeah. But yeah, so I'm just really uh, surprised still how much this film works on so many levels, at least for me. And I mean, obviously part of it is the nostalgia, but, and it's obviously actors I like and stuff, but uh, yeah, just, it just, it's still like... Like, as far as, like, you know, the 80s being a decade of weird movie premises and stuff, I think this is the one that has, for me personally, has, like, the weirdest premise, but it's actually still a really good movie and not just, like, a weird oddity, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, weird science, like, yeah, it comes to life, but then it's, like, just a horn dog movie the <laughs> yeah, whole time. Yeah, it's just, a, you know, but, um, and I think it's funny, too, because, like, the tagline is, like, he's got all the luck. And, like, he's, he's not, like, a lucky guy at all in the movie. <laughs> but, it, I mean, everything works out for him in the end, but it's, like, it's really the story of a guy who, like, you know, you know has not not much you know, going for him, and, you know. But, yeah, and I know I know from the first time we watched it, like, a year ago, and then when we rewatched it this time, I know your opinion of the movie changed a lot. Yeah, like, the first time we watched it, like... I was kind. Of, I was like pretty annoyed with her character because I was. It was like I felt like she was leading him on, and like you know, here she is, this mannequin that she's never really gonna be able to create a life with him or whatever because she can't even leave the store and all that. But then, like this time around, like I kind of was annoyed with him because I was like, "What are you doing, guy? Like, why are you letting yourself fall so hard for? Her? She's a mannequin. Like, you're not gonna yeah. be able to have a life with her." And then, like I don't know, for some reason, I guess. I didn't remember the ending that um, she, like, you know, turned human, so... Right. Uh, yeah, like, it was strange. I had a totally different experience the first time and the second time. Yeah. And, like, I was surprised when we saw it the first time, because we try to watch, like, themed movies for holidays, and, like, you wanted to watch this one for Valentine's Day, and I was like, yeah. why do you want to watch this one? <laughs> like, I was just so, like, not into it. And then, yeah. like, I can tell, like, ever since then, like, how much you love it. So, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to, like, I wasn't going to keep being, like, why are you into this? But, like. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, like you're just, like, mannequin sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, this time that we watched it, we, we, we rewatched it. I don't know if it was because it wasn't, like, the pressure of Valentine's Day yeah. or something, having to watch it or whatever. But, yeah, I don't know. I felt different this time and, like. You know, I do think it's a fun movie. Yeah. And I do enjoy, like, you know, seeing the, you know, over-the-top characters and stuff. Just because you don't really get that anymore in movies. Like, yeah. you really don't get comedy movies, period. And if you do, it's got to be some pee-poo nasty yeah. stuff going on. Like Somebody get a, a face full of cow manure or something. Yeah, and, like, so you don't really get, like, these kinds of comedies that are just, you know, fun and, like, that are 
I wouldn't really say it's innocent because there's a lot of like sexual stuff, obviously, because yeah. it's a romantic one. But like, I I really think this movie it's rated like PG, but I I think this movie, even though like kids will like it because of the dummy coming to life, I think it's like it's really plays more for teen audiences and above because yeah. of the the love story and everything. But, uh, but yeah, so yeah, like I was like, you know, going to save this for the next Valentine's Day show. Um, but you know, like, like last Valentine's Day, you know, I, I pulled out, you know, cause you know, this one you weren't as hot on, <laughs> uh, we, we, you know, we, we, we exposed you to my demon lover with Scott Valentine, which I mean, <laughs> yeah. you can't get more perfect for Valentine's Day than Scott Valentine as a demon lover. <laughs> Um, you know, the titular, my demon lover, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like, man, I, like, I don't know, I mean, you, like, you know me, like, I'm not really against love stories or whatever, but sometimes they're just hard for movies to me to get into, because yeah. it's just about two people meeting and falling in love, yeah. so, like, these kind of fantasy ones, you know, like, yeah. like, I, they're kind of more fun for me to get into, yeah. especially when they have a lot of comedy in them, so, so, yeah. So Mannequin, so definitely was a movie I always loved as a kid. I still haven't seen the sequel. When I bought this Blu-ray, I bought the Blu-ray of the sequel. I still haven't watched it. I'm, I'm going to give it a watch here soon, <laughs> see if it's any good. I'm curious about it. Yeah, at the very least we'll watch it just to see Hollywood, you know? Yeah. And it has Christy Swanson, who I really like. But um, but yeah, Mannequin, definitely, uh, I don't know. It's just, you know, I don't know if it's like the right movie for the right times now, but I... I think, shockingly, I think I like this more now as a 41-year-old man <laughs> than I did as a 10-year-old boy when it <laughs> came out and I first saw it. So, yeah, so definitely big recommendation. If you haven't seen Mannequin, see it. Uh, Angel McCarthy killing it. Meshack Taylor killing it. Kim Cattrall really playing a great, you know, female lead. You know, really strong female lead, I would say. And then all the other comedy side characters working good, so... Anything else you want to say about Mannequin? Nope. I think I actually said a lot during this one. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, watch Mannequin, everybody. Thanks a lot. Um, getting ready for the fall season here. Hope you guys are all pumped for Halloween. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. So I've already had my first fright of the season you last did. night. I freaked yeah. myself out. <laughs> yeah, you you heard a little girl talking in I the closet heard, in the back. I heard some female voice talking in the back of the house and it was scary. <laughs> so I made you go walk through the yeah. whole house and make sure nothing was there. <laughs> Maybe it was a dummy. Oh, Maybe we had a dummy coming to life in the, <laughs> in the house. <laughs> She's the dummy. <laughs> She's the dummy. <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks again. We'll see you next time in the movie graveyard.